0: It forgot it was me. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Library Coven, a bi-weekly podcast in which two bookish besties discuss mostly why fantasy through the lens of intersectional feminist criticism. Why? Because critique is our fangirl love language, and because talking about books is pretty magical.
1: I'm Jessie. And I'm Kelly. And we are here today to discuss A Heart So Fierce and Broken by Bridget Kemmerer. These have some of the most YA titles ever.
0: <laughs> I know.
1: <laughs> so in this in this book, it's book two of the series. Ren is determined to find the other heir to Emberfall's throne, who turns out is his surprise brother Gray. While our new protagonist, Leah Mara, daughter of Karis Loran, these names I have thoughts about them. <laughs> so the, she's the queen of Shallow, So Leah Mara is the princess. So we have this new protagonist, and they're trying to broker peace between the two countries. There's new, like, magical creatures introduced. Uh, Yes, chaos ensues, as we say. So strap in. Chaos ensues. It's going to be a lot of succession drama going on. Beginning of the podcast, we're going to take this time to say hi. We make this show. If you want to support us, you can do so on Patreon. And then you get episodes a whole week early. Usually. Usually. (laughs) Sometimes life happens and then that doesn't happen. But... You also get to pay what you can, starting at a dollar a month, and then you get to join our community on Discord as well. So, and we have a new patron. Welcome, Emily. Thanks for your support. It's nice to have an- another person in the community. Initial reactions <sighs> It has been a while since we read A Curse So Dark and Lonely, which was book one. And I think that's why it took me a dozen or so chapters to, like, get back into the narrative arc of A Heart So Fierce and Broken. I was like, wait, I need to remember why I care. <laughs> and then I really came to like Liamara's character, actually. And although I do miss Harper's point of view, I liked the, like, I don't know, I just feel like the crip perspective is so necessary. So not my favorite book that we've read, and, but I'm curious how the series ends and I'll probably finish it.
0: Yeah, I definitely see where you're coming from. It was really weird to move to and like new POV's in this book because I don't even think we got Grace POV into like the very like epilogue of the last book. Um, but once I got into it and realized we weren't going back to Harper, I really enjoyed it. Um, it was interesting to see so much from Gray's perspective, and I really liked Liamara. It did take me a little bit to get into it, and the narrator, because I listened to the audiobook, did sound a bit young. So I'm like, "Why are you pining after this old man, Gray?" But then I had to like remember that Liamara <laughs> was not a child. It's a trope. <laughs> yeah, I know. And surprise, surprise, I wasn't a huge fan of the traveling bits, but overall, <laughs> that's because I'm you to see know your taste. Story goes, <laughs> I know what I like. <laughs> Pretty good.
1: <laughs> why did we choose this book? <laughs> I didn't put it mean, in here. I mean, we had
0: to. I didn't either. We had to read it because we read the first one and we liked it. So, like, why not read the second one? <laughs> exactly. Period. <laughs> Recommend if you like. A Curse So Dark and Lonely, of course. Um, I think Akatar for reasons that I'll get into later, but also forewarning there might be some akatar spoilers a court of thorns and roses for those who don't know <laughs> there might be some spoilers later on and um, through the wardrobe folk of the air yeah
1: second for sure
0: and then Mooncakes by suzanne walker was what is this like, you just posted about it right yes it's a really good graphic novel has disability rep um there's magic it's like set in what seems to be our world but there are also like <clears throat> witches and stuff um. So it was really fun, and would recommend.
1: Time to talk about world building in Through the Wardrobe. The fictional world really expands in the second book of the series. We see some time like within Emberfall. So Emberfall kind of expands. We get some nuance. It's not just like in this palace. So we spend time in this city called Relisk with Gray. Um. <laughs> When he's being called Hawk. Which I just can't. <laughs> um, and then there's lots of time traveling around. So I knew that this was coming from you. Um, plus we also saw. Sil shallow. And I like the badass stone castle. I was into yeah, that aesthetic. Lots of castles. Very severe.
0: <laughs> Very severe. It was a, a severe place I would say. Yes. <laughs> like Little kids are about to get trampled by horses. And they were just like yep that seems right. And I was like oh my god what's going on here. <laughs>
1: What Priorities. Kind of is this. Priorities are not <laughs> not sorting it out.
0: Yeah, uh, we also get a lot of pol- politics business with the two kingdoms and the issues at hand with some of the towns not recognizing Ren as the rightful heir, mostly because he isn't, but also because he seems like kind of a shitty ruler. Here come my Acatar spoilers. Does Ren give you Tamlin vibes? A million like, percent. Are we going? to hate him at the end because I know there was some shit going on with Lilith at the end but he was giving me like peak Tamlin vibes and I was like oh my god like are you Tamlin
1: <laughs> I think so because it did like have very Beauty and the Beast-esque you know yeah like vibes too you know during that first book both in ACOTAR and in this one like the yeah prisoner and all the things the yeah. beast and part of the the mask character who's the rich prince and who's old and all these things
0: and like for a little bit i thought that i was about to be like oh i guess i ship harper and gray now but like they're just friends and maybe gray like had a crush on her but now he's like all about liamara which that is ship totally has fine. say
1: old <laughs>
0: oh my god yeah it has <laughs> i wanted it for like a second and then i was like yeah that's not gonna
1: happen <laughs> yeah it's like harper you fucked up by choosing Ren, but whatever this is not shipwrecked <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> we'll talk
0: about them in shipwrecked but anyways yeah total tamlin vibes coming from like oppressive um, ruler right yeah
1: so yeah. elitist so. very just dis- like distant from his like subjects or whatever yes 100 percent. yeah
0: yeah well either way we have a lot of politics going on in this book and i was like and gray is like trying to navigate that as someone who was like worked as a guardsman and now he realizes he's royalty and so it was interesting to see him kind of like come into that and I feel like that's a trope we see a lot in like YA novels and romance novels and new adult novels (laughs) maybe it's just novels in
1: general I don't know. (laughs) coming into your power Mm -hmm. like authentically for the first time. But also books like set in this like
0: pseudo time period you see a lot of people who are like oh I used to be like a sword fighter or whatever but now i realize i'm royalty and i have to learn how to do politics And i'm like okay <laughs> yeah yeah
1: that's true it's a trope i guess <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah they they're changing the fight is elsewhere
0: yeah yeah let's discuss
1: all things magic Gray has these like multi-use powers, and we see him learning how to use them. He's the what do they call the magical people? Mages, mage something's, mage smiths. Mage smith sounds right. Yeah. All right.
0: That's... All I could think of was legend born. So, <laughs> but they, uh,
1: <laughs> but they like at, after the purge, genocidal purge, you know that happened, and so Gray has these powers that have been hidden. Another trope right your powers are mm-hmm. revealed by some sort of circumstance so he has trauma. curing. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> that's the that's the tweet <laughs> uh it's reminding me of a cool t- of um nocturna you know when finn's powers manifest in trauma and so do the alfie alfie anyway um, so great. We're not talking about that book. We're talking about this book. <laughs> Gray has magical cure powers and also magic teleportation powers, which turns out to be very convenient at the end. It seemed a little deus ex machina to me. There were a few things in this book where I was like, that was convenient. <laughs> mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. And I guess that he has that healing power, but he also, oh, you said healing and fighting. So like, oh. yeah, he can also hurt people like with his powers and stuff.
1: There's so much. Uh, magic and blood discourse again which I wanted to bring up because this is something we've talked about extensively you know just over the course yeah. of the prod or from the course of the podcast it's really interesting to be but there's not like a you don't bleed a different color but like supposedly mm-hmm. why is it in why is it in the cells you know what I mean what's it with the blood I have no idea but also like the stars in my blood is <laughs> what
0: do you think i kind of thought of it as like (laughs) his blood was heating up like he was starting to feel warm (laughs) and i was just like i don't understand what this or like it felt tingly like (laughs) like fizzy soda you know (laughs) like carbonate or like
1: pop rocks or something like
0: pop rocks
1: but like in your cells
0: yeah i thought that was like a weird is that a it's not a euphemism, like a weird analogy to use i was like what the, how the fuck am I supposed to know what stars in my blood feel? And like, like stars are like,
1: but they're combusting. I was like, we could get super astrophysics with this, which is like, I'm yeah. a nerd. I'm into that stuff. <laughs> but you know
0: that tingly feeling you get when you feel like a little buzzed? Maybe it's like that.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I you, don't know if you other just people feel powerful feel that, in another way, <laughs> but also like maybe a little reckless. <laughs> <laughs> yep,
0: yep, yep. I don't know if it, other people experience. Being buzz the same way, whether that's from alcohol or you know other substances, <laughs> but mm. it
1: makes me feel tingly sometimes. Maybe it's that you know. I was just like, I'm not sure what this description. What is this supposed to? Is it sparkly? Is the blood sparkly?
0: Like I don't know.
1: Is there, there was glitter? glitter? Light? There's glitter everywhere. Oh God. <laughs> um, Isaac. <laughs> I can't. I can't with these names. It sounded like
0: Isaac Isaac. in the audio book. (laughs) Okay.
1: So I was like, I can't. So he's a scraver. Is that how they, you you probably should be the one pronouncing things for me at this point. No, but this is, you've been all right so far. (laughs) Is this like magical winged being kind of, I was imagining like the cartoon Gargoyles. Did you ever watch that? Yeah. I hate it. That show freaked me out, but yeah. But like blue skin,
0: wings, buff, I don't know, gruff and mean. It's funny, they described his face as being like a humans, but like longer. So I was also kind of imagining him almost like a cat's face. Oh, I was kind. Of,
1: I was thinking bird or like a bat. Oh,
0: oh bat's a good one. That, that bat's kind of like, bat is they like, look like little pigs. They're so cute. Yeah, they're so cute, but they also
1: kind of look cat-like.
0: Yeah, they do. Yeah, their faces.
1: <laughs> I can't wait to put this stuff in the show notes when I hit it. <laughs> There's going to be bat pictures. Cats turned into bats. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So Isaac, the scraver, is, he is like super strength and stuff. And he's from, how do you pronounce this place? Ishala. Ishala? Okay. And turns out he's king. Maybe. It turns out he's king. And I was like, of
0: course. I didn't see that ruin coming, but I'm also like, yeah, that's, that's fine.
1: Yeah, because there's like, there's this like, I don't know. It's like a if they're powerful they must be some sort of royalty some you know rather than like you know just kind of like how I was disappointed that Rey ended up being a Palpatine in Star Wars it's just like why can't this power just like come out of nowhere well it should have that was that that makes no sense so yeah you're right (laughs) you know so I guess yeah he's a king and I get thank you for listening and coming along that ride with me when I'm (laughs) because i was like having trouble articulating what my issue was with it you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like why it made me feel a certain way yeah now we're going to talk about conflict villains good and evil in our segment get me kylo ren there's so many wars of succession succession and it's like this is why the feudal system (laughs) and the whole notion of private property is a sham And it should be power to the people. And anyway, where are my guillotines at?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, apparently Lea Mara is on board because she's like, I'm going to
1: kill my mom. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And she did. She becomes queen. This is a by any means necessary situation.
0: I mean, she did save her own life and Grace. So, like, I get it. And her mom was
1: trash. So, Yeah queen mama is literally my next note in this document <laughs> 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 so this is my what's her real name caris loran had to look it up that's like verbatim what's in these notes because i was like i don't remember their names that's like a part of the world building that didn't hit for me was the like yeah the different Sil shallow names or whatever
0: yeah especially because they all seem to have like two names you know like a f- it's almost like they go by a first middle name Um, So it's like more to remember.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and they just, I don't know, didn't roll off the tongue for me. Mm -hmm. Um, So anyway, Karis Loran, Queen Mama, aka, is, she really (laughs) went nuclear with this whole commanding one daughter to kill the other thing.
0: Yeah, that was, I was like, what the fuck is going on?
1: Yeah, that was very, I'm not even going to say draconian because dragons, I like them.
0: Yeah, I feel like we're getting lots of good like we women villains going on in our YA novels these days. So yeah. it's kind of fun to see it, even though I'm like, damn,
1: you know, we're she, all bad. <laughs> <laughs> we all have, we all have the possibility of being that way. Um, yeah. didn't she reminded me of Karis, like K E R I S from, oh. uh, Venturia, Karis Venturius, the, from, yeah, uh, yeah. From Tahir series. Mm hmm. Yeah, they were very similar characters. Relentlessly violent and power-hungry and, yeah.
0: Although I would say that Karis Loren did a very good job of, like, taking... Like, her people didn't, like, love her because she's not, like, a very caring person. But, like, they were well taken care of. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. they were... They had everything they needed, it seemed. Right. You know? So the people were happy to have Liamar as their ruler, but like things were going, you know, like pseudo. Okay. Under Karis. Loren, Whereas Karis.
1: Venturius was not. (laughs) Yeah. But like, but Karis. Lorraine was doing this like war of conquest, Mm -hmm. but I can't remember like why
0: she wanted access to seaports. Seaports. Yeah. 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 It's always the
1: same shit. Yep. 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 It was like, or we could just decide not to pay to live. Yeah. (laughs) Take care of each other.
0: Uh, Yeah. And then I would say that Ren kind of too is a villain in this story. Like, he really kicks this all off with that scene where he's like punishing Gray and Tycho. And he really becomes one of the villains of this story, especially because we're seeing a lot of this from Gray's perspective. And I'm wondering in the next book if we'll get his POV or if we're going to mixture of like him and Harper and liamara and gray which might be too many but i guess i love six of crows so like it's not too many
1: (laughs) (laughs) just has to be done the right way or in a way that works
0: yeah (laughs) in a way that works for me but yeah he turned out to be kind of shitty i felt bad for him last book and now i'm like bro what are you doing and then finally in get me kind of ran lilith is back which i was like duh we no body no crime like we didn't see her dead body she's obviously alive (laughs) yeah exactly
1: i i don't know i feel like game of thrones has basically (laughs) changed this for me where i'm like i didn't see it happen on screen and even if i did see it happen on screen doesn't necessarily mean that it's not coming back because there's magic yeah
0: yeah and they like mentioned it so many times how lilith was dead and yada like all that stuff and i was like okay she's
1: definitely not dead they're lying they're telegraphing this
0: yeah so lilith is back (laughs) Lilith is back and I don't know what that's going to mean, but can't be good. Real nope. Amarantha character going on there. Yes,
1: so. you're so right. Yeah, torturing the yeah, the ooh. This does mm-hmm. the Akatar parallels are they're coming out for me.
0: You're welcome. <laughs> Onward, magical friends. Just as one does not simply walk into Mordor, one does not simply read fantasy without talking about representations of race, class, gender, and ability. This is our segment about power and bodies and how they relate. And this week, most of this will be coming from Kelly because she just like covered it all and did her show notes first. So like, away we go.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Feel free to stop me at any time or like, I don't know, wave me down. We're on Zoom, not Zoom, Skype, whatever. (laughs) <laughs> um so all right we're gonna start off i feel like i need to sit up straight kelly's right. stretching she's getting ready she's
0: getting prepared <laughs>
1: <laughs> Emberfall is a m- misogynistic world patriarchy is well intact still shallow is an oppressive place as well but women are in charge so it's just like equal opportunity oppression mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. and they're b- both feudal systems with peasant slash working classes and uh merchants so, like this sort of like I don't know, guild vibes, like you would work at a blacksmith and an apprentice or whatever. I don't know. <laughs> Wasn't it giving you like yeah. Renaissance fair vibes basically? Yes. Um, and then uh so you have the brick and class pe- and peasants or indentured servants or whatever, because Tycho's an indentured servant. And then you also mm-hmm. have your merchant class, and then you have no nobles or royalty.
0: hmm Although and- we don't see that many nobles so far yeah like other than the like actual king and queen or whatever
1: but it's in when they were in Sil shallow there was more talk about this like hierarchy Mm -hmm. of the nobles yeah
0: i think it's because they're like in the towns like they're the people who are in
1: charge of the towns Mm -hmm. and within the kingdoms yeah and so there's like the sex trade is thing it seems that like like take it for granted that men are entitled to be able to purchase that um, there's like stereotypes about violence and gender that exist. Uh, Leah Maro says this to Gray on page 201. Must you men t- make everything about violence? Not every problem can be solved by the edge of a sword. It's like okay, all right. And then there's also sexist jokes that show up in um some of the like repartees. Uh, like a woman not being able to speak would this this like weird character they were talking to in passing said that a woman not being able to speak would quote make a man a lucky husband so like I don't know this is this was just kind of like latent around it was like very much a part of the like interactions and the dynamics that were going on um with all of the characters I would say
0: yeah, for sure, and, think- and it makes sense because they're like putting us in this like Renaissance esque time, and this is probably what we would see for that time, mm-hmm. minus things like,
1: Karis Loren being in charge, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so on page forty two, um when they're talking, Gray is talking about the like two champions that this dude has, um and Cantor is one of them, and he says he has the brain of a child, and so like hence that's why gray has like an easy time telegraphing his movements in a fight. So I don't know. There's some like subtle ableism going on here as far as like saying that that's why this person wasn't a good fighter or something. I'm just like, I just like took notes and scrolled through the book pages and was like, I'll put them in here and maybe they won't make sense. (laughs) (laughs) So Noah, then our only not our only black slash non-white character from what I can tell um, also talks about how oppression is oppression is contextual. He says he doesn't experience anti-black racism or homophobia in Emberfall. This is on page one eighty-seven. Instead, he experiences classism since he's a healer who's seen unworthy of being in a relationship at, with a quote-unquote prince of DC, which is whatever her brother's name is. I don't remember Jacob. Yeah. Thank you. So yeah. that it was. Um, this was an interesting way of like showing that our context related determines how our identities are read what else what else? and we see
0: that with oh go ahead
1: no i was just gonna say like what else do you have to add
0: oh and we also see this with noah because he talks about the legacy of slavery in the context of Tycho and gray being um beaten at wren's command and he kind of talks about like how he doesn't think it's right because of you know the legacy of slavery and you know his people having experienced that but i think um yeah he, he's our only black character so <laughs> he's got a little little more perception when it comes to these things than maybe some of the other characters do
1: while we're on topic of noah he's a doctor so a healer in emberfall terms and he mentions the hippocratic oath on page 185 so he says when i became a doctor i swore an oath to help people in need whether they deserve it or not I don't know this just seems like an opening to talk about ableism and racism and fat phobia and medicine and like why it's crucial to have disabled and black and fat and queer etc people in medical fields you know because this is like and it's not as easy as swearing an oath you know like our unconscious biases shape how we interact with people um yeah I don't know what I'm trying to say really I mean, I
0: think you, I think you said it well that we need more people, more representation in this field. So yeah, you got this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I just want to make sure that you can talk if you want to say something. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll jump
0: in. <laughs> all right. All right.
1: I also think we see Ren and totally having PTSD. Noah is describing this on page 221 and he said, it's like your brain can't turn off the fear. And it is a very succinct way of describing, you know, like this fight, this like parasympathetic, like sub like pre-conscious response, you know, of, I don't know, neurotransmitters and like uh, hormones and all of these things that like our body is doing, you know, that we don't necessarily have control over just from a logical perspective.
0: Yeah, and when I think we see it with you know it's not just Ren, it's Gray, it's Harper, it's Jacob, it's Noah. You know they're all dealing with different issues, and so I think they're probably all affected by them in more ways than they realize.
1: I really was not a fan of the scene where disablement was used as the disguise. Leah Mara was pretending to be mute, so like not able to talk. Um ever since a childhood fever. And then Gray literally says that on page 247, that such a condition might garner some sympathy for bargaining for what they like want. And later on when the scene in the scene, when things go downhill and the bargaining doesn't work out, Gray tells Harper to quote, act ill and collapse. Like, uh, can we not? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, like, this this made me feel uncomfortable in, like, a way that, like, disability is something you can take on and off, and, like, yes, it is contextual, but I, like, also don't want to say that it would be, like, a superpower to have, like, something because then you could, like, collapse and people would... I don't know. It's, like, this This felt unnecessary. what do you think? Yeah,
0: I think it's hard because it's, like, a trope of the... those times does that make sense like when you read books that are set in this place it's like one of the things like this is a trope of that like to you know uh it's like in um it's like in Thor Ragnarok when he's they they play get help you know like where it's like this Mm -hmm. is how we'll trick someone into doing something but yeah I don't know if using disability is the best way to do that um yeah I do think this is a trope of those like bodice rippers like the renaissance-esque time yeah highlands scotland highlands uh
1: their fate faint and then everyone will rush to your aid and it'll create a distraction mm-hmm. and then you don't have to finish t- saying whatever you're saying like no it totally yeah. worked and but it was just like oh man when we think about this scene in different terms like when you when you mm-hmm. put it differently and actually like talk about what's going on here it's like i don't know i like how you nuance the conversation <laughs> thank you thank you <laughs>
0: you're welcome
1: I'm really here on page 257 for this crowd throwing tomatoes at cops energy like oh <laughs> yeah like don't kill him for following orders was literally like quoted and I'm just saying like the- I don't know like these sorts of excuses like yeah maybe don't kill but like I don't know like there has to be some sort of accountability for what happens and that's just like a word that gets thrown around and like no one knows really what it means because it's also so situational yeah.
0: yeah well I would say in this situation that probably goes back to Ren who's like in charge and it's like bro what are you doing what are you asking people to do for you right <laughs> you know who's in charge and what are they doing with that power
1: mm-hmm Finally, it's time for Shipwrecked, a segment about asexuality, sexuality, sex, romance, and relationships. And sometimes we take liberties and do some shipping of our own. Gray and Leah Mara. I ship. I do kind
0: of. Like, I like them together. But for some reason, Leah Mara seems just, like, so young to me. And I think it's because of, like, the narrator that I had listening to the audiobook. Mm-hmm. And because Greys lived through, like, a million of those, like, seasons or whatever, then I'm just like, she seems like a child. <laughs> I think it's her naive outlook on the world that influences that feeling as well. Like, mm. I'm not saying it's a bad thing, but she's, like, just a little too hopeful. And I'm like, bro, this is not how the world works. <laughs>
1: <laughs> she's not jaded yet. Yeah, not yet. <laughs> not yet. We'll see how this, whether this keeps going. They would be, like, a power couple in the po- politics of the realms. Yeah. So yes
0: I am glad that like Gray didn't have to end up with her sister because I was like oh I feel bad for her like in this sense that like they're trying to put them together and I'm like Gray you just need to like just say no.
1: (laughs) Harper and Ren like still I don't ship.
0: I did but like I don't know that I like him now so I don't know what to feel like is he gonna be Tamlin and I really hate Tamlin and like he deserves everything that he got so <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean but also I feel bad cause like Ren is like dealing with this like trauma of having been like put in this never ending cycle of abuse and torture from Lilith so I'm also like do I feel bad for him? I don't know cause I don't feel bad for Tamlin <laughs> wren's backstory is more compelling i guess (laughs) i agree i agree so i don't know how i feel about them but like i'll i'll tell you after the next book to be determined yeah tbd
1: there's a lot of sibling rivalry stuff we get that on both the sides with Liamara and her sister Nora Nora something, Varen or some <laughs> shit. <laughs> Nora Loon Loon, I
0: don't know. I no. can't remember. The other sister. Uh exactly. Um their sibling rivalry was kind of weird though, because they loved each other so much, but as soon as the mom was like to the other sister like you need
1: to do all this stuff she was just like okay that's the achievement trap man you get like used to other people validating you and your worth is always based on their opinions and then all your relationships that go that matter go out the door
0: yeah Mm -mm. yeah, for sure
1: so that's like on the one side and then there's also like Ren and Grey that are secret siblings but they also like basically brothers or like had this sort of intimacy, yeah. going through the cycles of trauma and abuse together for three hundred. Yeah. half siblings, also.
0: Half siblings feel different too. Yeah. So we shall see. I guess Jake, we also have siblings of Jake and Harper, but they don't really seem like rival rivals. Just kind of like butt heads every once in a while over like what they think is best for one another. <laughs>
1: yeah, that also feels very siblingy.
0: Yeah, it does.
1: <laughs> I actually kind of like this dynamic of Jacob and Gray um, gaining more trust and becoming friends. Like sometimes that means you have to say the hard stuff, and so I like the scene on page two eighty 280 to two eighty one where Jacob is telling Gray like how Ren is a shitty friend and has been treating him like shit the whole time. Yeah, and it's just like so yeah. ho- probably so hard to say and probably so hard to hear, but man, necessary peak Thor
0: Loki vibes I would say <laughs> with uh, Jacob and Grey I love it I don't am not sure who is who but I guess you know <laughs> it's like siblings that become friends I know they're not siblings but I just you know yeah I just love it now we're going to talk about writing style narration characterization plot structure and basically whatever else comes to mind in Kill Your Darlings
1: <laughs> okay so we're gonna start off with a bang on page uh <laughs> the whole on page 230 and 232 there's like i know this is supposed to be like leah mara finding her inner strength or whatever and her outer strength but the whole like carrying the deer exchange <laughs> is like you can do it just one more step keep breathing like you're strong or whatever it might be the most CrossFit scene I have ever read. <laughs> <laughs> I can say this with conviction because I am white and, which is like CrossFit's a very white thing. And then also having done CrossFit. Yes, it's true. Audience, now you know. The secret's Do you out. You know who else I think does CrossFit? This author. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yes, I know. I saw that in the acknowledgement, like CrossFit shows up and it's like, sometimes it's on her Twitter and stuff and it's like, I mean, it can make you strong and things like that, but, like, man, it was it was, it was funny because I was like, I know exactly where this is from.
0: Yeah, it's just, like, white people using garbage to work out, basically, like, fucking <laughs> tires and stuff, and I'm like, y'all could do that for free at home. <laughs>
1: no, thank you. I cannot. It's so true. I know. We I see the them sometimes tire. in Boulder,
0: like, running and, like, doing all their weird stuff, and I'm like, oh, my God. I don't know what's wrong with y'all, but... <laughs> getting your workouts in however
1: you can <laughs> oh man I don't think Hawk is a cool pseudonym I really don't I just could I'm not fine with pseudonyms as, or like fake names or whatever but Hawk <laughs> all right and this is the note I put under there Dude,
0: <laughs> you gotta read more YA New Adult and Romance because this was so believable and on par for how these books go. I didn't think twice about it. There's like <laughs> a New Adult series by Jennifer Armantrot that's like really popular right now and I can't think of the name of oh, from Blood and Ashes or whatever. The main character, the main dude character, his name is Hawk. No. It's his real name. No. <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna give you a book list <laughs> please only, <laughs> with only with gonna, weird gonna,
1: names. i was gonna say like we're gonna have a sub genre of characters with avian names bird names i didn't think twice about this Osprey, so it was so funny to see it here falcon and then there's gonna be eagle and then there's gonna be blue heron and then there's. i might <laughs> have read a book with a
0: a, a character named falcon I mean, and this is not, like, Falcon slash Winter Soldier. Like, I mean, like, real name. <laughs> and maybe this might be my third book with a hawk.
1: <laughs> really? Hawk? At least. Man, hawk? Really? <laughs> I don't know. It's a trope. <laughs> not about, like, bear or wolf? <laughs>
0: I think I've at least read one with bear. Maybe not wolf, but it's possible. All right. Sherilyn Kenyon. Yeah
1: man all right I gotta read more
0: (laughs) sorry sorry not sorry let me put you a book list together
1: (laughs) okay so this book kind of helped me realize a pet peeve of mine that I have it's about tedious and over what seemed like heavy-handed overdone line breaks so maybe this is just my personal preference on not relying too heavily on this technique to add emphasis or suspense but like I notice when when this is like a a thing that authors tend to do I don't know why I just like maybe it's like because I've studied poetry for so long and stuff like I just noticed this things I don't know so on page 90 Leah Mara is asked why she didn't discuss peace earlier and the exposition reads quote because I did not wish to speak against my mother or sister line break because I did not know how badly things would go line break because I did not know if he would have listened line break and I still don't line break like on page 366 there's another one yeah so i don't know maybe this is like just the way that i ended up reading the white space of the like Mm -hmm. i don't know the cuts of the the return but i don't know i'm just realizing that this is like not my jam i mean you like what you like and you don't what you don't yeah um
0: it's funny because when i read these kind of things i don't even pay attention to the breaks i'm like this is like means nothing to me you're listening on two times
1: speed too Okay.
0: Yeah. No, no, no. I mean like normally, like when I'm reading the book, like reading a physical book, but yeah, I did listen to the audiobook, and then those things just don't come across in that medium at all. Like I think at one point I was listening at like 2.7 times, 5, 2.75 times the speed because like I find narrators to be very slow, um, like slower than I would read the book. And I'm like, I don't need to like, that's just not how I read um so even when I'm reading a physical copy of the book the line breaks like mean nothing to me because it's just like not how I read you know because truth be told I don't like poetry that much (laughs) so it's not something that I like took on very much in like academia Uh uh-huh
1: oh I love this conversation and like the difference between the medium that with which you receive it and also like how you engage with the text at all like how you read it white space versus not like that's so cool yeah, I, we just read it different. <laughs> so I accidentally got a Barnes & Noble special edition of this book, and there are some cool extras. There's, like, portraits of the four MCs on the inside of the front and back covers. So I don't know. I thought that was oh, kind of cool. cool. There's also an extra chapter from Harper's point of view in the back. So I was just curious, what what would you like, what do you like your special editions to include? Like, I don't know. You have a few of them, right?
0: Yeah. I think I have a copy, a special edition of Legendborn with like a really cool cover, which I love. And then when Holly Black, when the last book in the Folk of the Air series came out, I think there was like a letter from, you know, whatever that dude's name is. Carden. Carden to Jude in it. And I didn't get that, but like someone who loves this show named Ellie, (laughs) sent it to me (laughs) so that I could read it uh, because she's amazing. Um, So that kind of stuff is cool, but I'm also like really annoyed with special editions because I feel like fans of the book's can't all get don't have access to all the same things and it feels unfair to me like it's fine if it's like a special cover but like if there's extra stuff in the book it seems like unfair that like where you buy it depends on if you have access to it and like libraries don't get a choice that much of a choice in where they buy things so like they then even like the library users get access to none of the special stuff so that kind of thing is like kind of frustrating to me where I'm like put the same thing in all the books so that every reader can Gets all the experience, and because um, it's like a lot to ask people to buy like three different editions of a book, or one of the special editions is in the UK, and now you have to figure out how to get that, it just seems like a little unfair. So, I think if authors do that, eventually it would be helpful if they put it up on their websites or something so that more people have access. Um, and I guess that's my librarian brain where I'm like, all the access all the time. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, I love how you brought that up. Yes.
0: What about you? What do you want in your special editions? I
1: don't know. I kind of am. I agree <laughs> with you that like, I think that everyone should have access to everything. Yeah. So It's just annoying. Yeah. I've, and there wasn't like a, it, it feels like from a publishing perspective, a money grab, you know?
0: Yeah, it is for sure.
1: So we all know I'm not into that.
0: Yeah, well, and, like, you kind of see that consumerism aspect of it on, like, Bookstagram and stuff, which, like, no shade for people who do have the ability to buy, you know, four or five different copies of the same book, like, if that's what you want to do and that's how you want to spend your money, that's, like, your right to do that. But it's just not accessible to everyone to be able to, to drop that kind of cash on books and, you know, so it just, it feels a little frustrating to me, you know. A
1: hundred
0: percent. Before we end, it's time for Real Talk. Did reading this book make your perspective change in any way? Or did it make you interrogate a concept or system or trend that you hadn't before? Surprise, surprise. Jesse has nothing to add here, but Kelly has some quotes.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's just like the brand for this segment. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Page 187. Fear makes people act in ways we'd never expect. I'd like to put a caveat on there because I think fear makes us act in pretty predictable and straightforward ways. If you know 100% agree. <laughs> if you have like a trauma informed perspective and you know about hypo and hyper arousal and things like this, especially if you know what
0: that person's trauma is, and you can probably guess whatever fear based thing has come up is going to make them act in this particular way. If you know the person, I think you can. It's it's predictable, mm-hmm. <laughs> very predictable.
1: And in books, when there's a lot of dramatic irony where the reader knows a lot, you know? Yeah. So, yes um 325 isaac isaac or as i called him isaac which then i just kept <laughs> talking about ballsack i couldn't yeah <laughs> oh my god all i could think of as well <laughs> um but he makes a very good point and i agree uh that says nothing in a cage is ever truly well and i'm like eso yes like abolition yeah it
0: all makes sense <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: and i also was really appreciating this sentiment on page 336 i think gray was talking and he says the o- sometimes the only way to win is not to play so like that's a good reminder that we can choose not to get involved in certain shenanigans if they're just going to be a waste of time etc all
0: good all great quotes good real talk thank good thank job you. kelly thank you thank <laughs> you taking a bow are we ready for some card questions?
1: Yes, indeed. Let me get them. And not knock over the microphone. <laughs> I'm going to pick like four and have you pick mm-hmm. a number. Okay. All right. Pick a number one through four. Three. That's not a good one, though. <laughs> <laughs> Just
0: Pick the ones you
1: want. Fine. We'll do it. What was the
0: climax of the story? Oh, you should just take that out of the card questions because they're always like, what's the climax of the story? And I'm like, bro, I read the book. Like, Lots. there were a lot of them.
1: <laughs> That's why I said if it wasn't a good one, I picked a, I picked a bad one. I guess when, um when
0: what is her name? Leah Mara kills her mom, that was a good one. Oh, that was so satisfying. Yeah. And I thought she was going to die. I mean, I knew she wasn't going to die because it's a Hawaii novel. But like, right. I was like, oh,
1: the suspense. So we took that one out. And now the number three is... If this pl- if the plot of this book were a dream, what would it signify for you? <laughs> um, probably, uh, you know, family
0: trauma. <laughs> <laughs> you is that know. a good answer? It's family trauma? What you got? What What is your dream about? <laughs> what does this signify for yeah, you? Yeah, it's so true. Wow.
1: <laughs> yeah, because the like needing the approval from the authority figure, like the Karis figure, I'm like, oh wow. <laughs>
0: yeah. No, thank you. It's a
1: nightmare situation, actually. <laughs> um, and then there's a there's one I like that I'm just going to pick. Okay. Do the first and last sentences relate to each other? So I have the book and I'm going to check it out. Okay. Whew. I was like, I don't
0: remember and I cannot listen to it now.
1: Alright, the first line is chapter one and it's from Harper's perspective. And says, I miss knowing exactly what time it is. I get that I feel that oh the last line is the Ren talking to Lilith and then he crumples the letter and tosses it into the fire and yes Lilith I will okay
0: I think yes in that (laughs) we've come back around like those two bookends are like like bringing us back to Harper and Ren which was our first story so like maybe that's where we're going back to i'm sure we'll still get gray's perspective and maybe leah mars in the next book but i kind of like that it starts and ends with harper and wren because like they were the beginning of our story to be like in the first book the story was really about them so kind of
1: <laughs> yeah i like i like that perspective nice tied a little Thank bow you. around it <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Library Coven. We'll be back in two weeks for a discussion of Alatso by Darcy Little Badger. And as always, you know, we'd love to be in conversation with you magical people. So let us know what you think of the episode, something we missed, or just say hi. You can drop a line in the comments or reach out to us on Twitter or Instagram at The Library Coven. You can subscribe
0: to the Library Coven on the podcast app of your choice, and we'd really appreciate it if you would rate and review the show and spread the word to other rad people out there. If you're able to support our labor financially, you can make a one-time donation to us on Coffee. you can support us monthly on Patreon, or by shopping at our bookshop.org affiliate page. Until next time, stay magical.